It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Rocky Tapapalooza, or as we call it here on Locked On Vols, the premier Memorial Day recruiting event, that's in the rearview mirror now. How did it go? Who stood out? And which players did Tennessee make major moves with? That and more coming up here on a Monday, Locked On Vols. You are Locked On Vols, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. A good Monday morning, everybody, and welcome into it. This is Locked On Vols. First and foremost, happy Memorial Day, everybody. Hope you enjoyed today. You stay safe, you spend time with family, and remember the true meaning of what today stands for. I'm Eric Kane. This is Locked On Vols. You can find us every single weekday morning when you wake up at underscore Kaner on Twitter and at Locked On Vols. It's on YouTube. It's on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all that and more, the Odyssey app. Pretty much wherever you want to find your podcast, you can find this go-to Tennessee Volunteers podcast every weekday morning when you wake up. I do radio in Knoxville, Tennessee. If you're new to the show, a little bit of my background. I also write for the Rival site that covers the University of Tennessee football, basketball, baseball, recruiting, and a whole lot more. And so uh, today on the show, we're going to go over that Memorial Day weekend premier recruiting event that was at Tennessee and, you know, kind of what players stood out and what, you know, Tennessee making some moves for some players a little bit more. We're going to get into the SEC baseball champions in segment two. Boy, what a fun weekend. Hoover, after all the rain subsided and Tennessee just kept racking up runs and racking up runs and racking up runs and ultimately uh, took down Florida on Sunday's uh, afternoon championship game. Tennessee is baseball's SEC champion from the Southeastern Conference in tournament play. And then in segment three, some winners uh, from the SEC, or really some winners from college football's transfer portals. Not necessarily a Tennessee segment in this one, but it just kind of goes to show you how well Tennessee did this cycle last year and where they would have been placed in this uh, running. So that's the layout for today's show, and we're going to go ahead and get into it. Uh, listen, let's be real here. I go to these recruiting events all the time, the junior days, the um, you know, the, the big time in March and January, January and March, and typically there's one at the end of May, like the one now. There's going to start, it's going to be camp season beginning in June, and where you'll have 24s and 25s coming and camping and trying to earn scholarships and everything, kind of kind of start the process with Tennessee, and not just Tennessee, it's every other school as well. We'll go cover those, but you know, really June is about those type of camp days and then the official visitors. And uh, But you know, this last weekend here, Memorial Day weekend, Tennessee did have three uh, official visitors. We'll get to those here in a moment. But these big time recruiting events, you know, I go and cover them. And, and we talk to prospects all the time and, and try to get a general you know, synopsis of what the weekend was or what the event was and if Tennessee did well with some players. And it's not like when you talk to a prospect, it's not like they're, they're going to be like, you know what? Tennessee, I didn't really like it today. Kind of sucked. I don't think I'll come back. You know, they're never going to tell us that, right? But you can kind of get a general feel for the top prospects, the top targets who were there, that, you know, the way they speak, their body language, what they say about official visits, what they say about returning, where they where they pay Tennessee after, you know, leaving the day, that type of stuff. And so in that vein, Tennessee had a really, really good weekend. Tennessee had a really, really good day on Saturday. Um, a number of really, really talented you know, top priority prospects for the University of Tennessee left Knoxville signing up for an official visit and or putting Tennessee north, uh, towards the top. And so we'll get in and share a few. Now, this isn't everything, but just share a few of the ones that I've spoken to and some of us at VolQuest.com has spoken to as well. Uh, first, we'll start with the three official visitors who have been here all weekend long. Uh, Vic Burley, 
really, really talented defensive lineman, one of the best defensive linemen in the entire country, a top, uh, what is it, 30 prospect per rivals. You know, he is you know, being heavily coveted by Georgia, by Clemson, by Tennessee, by Michigan State, by um, by Ohio State as well. And so, you know, that's one that Tennessee feels like it's kind of fell behind in. But, you know, when speaking with him, uh, Austin Price did a VolQuest.com. You can check it out on Sunday afternoon saying that, hey, you know, being here, getting to know the coaches, not necessarily football talk, but kind of sitting back, talking to the prospects, talking to the rec- recruits, talking to the other commits. Uh, the Rocky Top of Palooza or whatever was, you know, filled with they were on the go and they were doing stuff that wasn't necessarily football related, right? And so it wasn't just sitting in there, you know, talking shop, watching film and talking about where you'll be in this defense or whatnot. There was that talk as well for some of these guys, but that wasn't the premier um, thought behind what this weekend was. And so Vic Burley leaving campus on Sunday says, hey, Tennessee solidified themselves as one of the top schools up there in that grouping. Of course, this was an official visit, so obviously a, a, a very, you know, serious contender for Vic Burley of this stage in his recruitment. Uh, he's left to go to Georgia on an official visit, to Ohio State on an official visit, and to Michigan State on an official visit. Um, but it looked like Tennessee did you know, pretty well there. Maybe maybe solidify themselves as a true contender in this one where the thought was, eh, Tennessee's kind of falling back, but hey, it's recruiting, and so it changes all the time. Uh, another official visitor, Bryson Sanders from the Chattanooga area where he attends Baylor School, and it was Tennessee, you know, LSU, Ole Miss, um, you know, a couple of other teams, Oklahoma, you know, for quite some time. A couple months ago, Bryson Sanders told me, hey, I've been up to Tennessee so many times over the past couple of years, I don't think I'll do an official visit. Because, I mean, right, he's just a little over an hour away, and he's come to all these junior days. He's come to all of these big-time uh, football games where they host recruits and all that. And so you, you really can't blame him for that aspect. He's been, since the dead period for COVID opened back up in June of last year, Gosh, he's been up here so much. And even before that, he was up here in, in January before the, the dead period began in 2020 and all that. So, But getting him back on campus for an official visit only strengthened his cause to, hey, I might come to Tennessee. This one's been trading back to Tennessee for quite some time. He's a nice you know, presence on the offensive line, is moving down to center for Baylor School this year. He's going to be interior player at the Power 5 level. Uh, you've got Tennessee, Oklahoma, and Ole Miss are his three teams. And looked like Tennessee did a very, very nice job this weekend with Bryson Sanders on his official visit. And I, I, I think, I believe that Tennessee's trending in this one. And then finally, Lucas Simmons, uh, a Sweden player that came stateside about this time last year, getting ready to play for Clearwater International Academy down in Florida. Um, he is a big time offensive tackle, about six foot seven, six foot eight, a little over 300 pounds. And he was on an official visit here at Tennessee this weekend, and he's big on the people, the relationships. How, you know how are how are they going to take care of him when he's on campus? Because keep in mind, his parents live in Sweden, right? Um, so he really is kind of on his own. You know, he's on his own now at, at, at a prep school or a, a private school, rather. But more or less, it, it's kind of different at the college level. Uh, connections run deep with his family. His father played uh, football at Oklahoma with Josh Heupel, special assistant to the head coach Billy Ray, was also on the coaching staff at Oklahoma when Heupel and when Lucas Simmons' father uh, was there. So you know that's big for Lucas Simmons. But he said that you know Glenn Ellerby opening up and, and and being more laid back with him and talking with him more. And that sounds bad, like Glenn Ellerby wasn't doing that to begin with. But he said that he noticed a change in Glenn Ellerby this weekend, and that. Uh, meant a whole lot to him in terms of he was more just open and, you know, the conversations were deeper and stuff like that. So it looks like Lucas Simmons, you know, with Tennessee really, really took a strong push this weekend. Um, Outside of the official visitors, we'll just run through a list real quick and we'll spend an awful lot of time on it. Uh, but Shadavion Bradley, a top 30 prospect in the entire country, really skilled pass rusher. I spoke with him on Saturday 
Uh, Tennessee is one of the top teams here for sure. He was glowing. He had never been to the University of Tennessee. He had never seen the campuses, never talked to the coaches in person. And he said, hey, I kept hearing about it, hearing about it, hearing about it. And I finally got here, and I see what everybody's talking about. This is this is incredible. Tennessee earned an official visit for Shadavion Bradley. Uh, he will come back in June. John Slaughter, who's been to the top of the defensive backboard along with Christian Conyer for quite some time for the University of Tennessee. He was back in campus this weekend, and that one's trending very, very, very much big orange, in my opinion. Uh, t- he had a good day with the University of Tennessee. Tamarian Parker, another really talented four-star defensive lineman, said that Tennessee is his top school right now, leaving campus last night or yesterday, so or two days ago. So I thought that was very, very noteworthy. Uh, Will Whitson, who is a big-time, uh, gosh, he's a man. Like I mean, he's developed. He's six foot six, I want to say, about two hundred ninety-five pounds. Uh, junior college, Independence Community College. Um, he was a 2020, class of 2020 guy, but didn't qualify, had to go the JUCO route, and of course COVID hit and all that type of stuff, but uh, he will be eligible to play as of now uh, to be a part of the class of 2023. He doesn't have many offers, but Rodney Gardner loves this guy, wanted him on campus, came on Saturday, and you know just left saying, obviously, Tennessee's the top school right now, and he just he loved everything he saw, and I, w- I would... You know, wouldn't shock me at all if he was going to make a call here in the next, you know, couple weeks to a month. That's just my opinion. Uh, Stanton Ramil, offensive tackle from Alabama, uh, left Tennessee. Did say he would come back and uh, for an official visit. He's another one of those tackles. Tennessee's got a lot of tackles in play here. You got Francis Mauigoa, the IMG product, Lucas Simmons. You know, Bryson Sanders is technically a tackle, but he's going to play inside. Uh, Stanton Ramil, Will, Will Conformby. All those guys are in play for Tennessee in terms of offensive tackle. But, you know, Rommel did say he's going to come back and he's going to do an official visit with Tennessee. The problem here is I like Tennessee's chances if, if they were to take him, but his dad played at Alabama and he's going to go down and camp at Alabama and try to pick up an offer from the Crimson Tide. So I'll we'll have to pay attention to that one. Keldrick Falk, another talented defensive lineman, top 100 player in the entire country, picked up the Rivals Camp MVP just a couple of weeks, or actually it was last weekend, and he came to Tennessee you know, he's got four official visits locked in, came to Tennessee to see if Tennessee could pick up that fifth one, said that it's trending that way, said that he had a great time. It was great to be back. Um, he will let the public know if Tennessee got an official visit here in the coming days. Um, and then, of course, Nico Imaliava was here. Francis Maligoa, the offensive tackle from IMG, was here. A number of other noteworthy players uh, were here and, you know, did pretty well. I mean, Nico's running that ship, man. Uh, Nico is is recruiting on behalf of the coaching staff. Nico is recruiting, calling these guys, texting these guys, and that's what a lot of those guys told me as well. And so, um, looked like it was a really, really good weekend for Tennessee. And again, you know, a prospect's not going to come out and just say, "Hey, I didn't like what I saw. I don't know if I'll come back here." That's just that's not how recruiting works. But when you've been doing this long enough, and this is you know, I'm a couple years into it now, so I start picking up on some things. You get the feeling Tennessee had a good day, or you get the feeling Tennessee had a bad day. I got the feeling Tennessee had a really, really strong day on Saturday. So Saturday was big in terms of planting the seeds for not only official visits returning, but also June and July commitments. So um, I think Tennessee did a whole lot of work on Saturday, highlighted by, again, I really think they did well with Shadavion Bradley. I think they did well with John Slaughter. I think they did well with Tamarian Parker. Um, I think they did well with uh, Bryson Sanders and Lucas Simmons, and we'll see about Vic Burley. So uh, that's my recruiting update following the weekend. I promise you guys that's here on this Memorial Day. And uh, coming up next, we'll talk Tennessee baseball. SEC uh, baseball tournament champions. 
First time ever in the SEC that a regular season champion has won the SEC tournament. That's coming up here on Locked On Vols. But our partners at Bet Online continue to be the source, the number one source for all your sports gambling information, uh, sports podcasts, sports news, sports developments, baseball playoff, excuse me, basketball playoffs at the professional level, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next year's NFL. You know, boosters. Let, let me let me read you this as well right now, okay? So talking about Tennessee baseball, the Vols versus the field right now have a 20.8% implied win probability. That is incredible. So if you haven't already, go put a future, go get a win total, go get whatever you can on Tennessee baseball at betonline.net. It's your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live bettings to playoffs to esports and a whole lot more. Head on over to the website today or use that mobile device. Learn about all the latest trends and all the action at betonline.net. It is where the game starts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. Welcome back into this Monday edition of Locked on Vols. Again, I'm Eric Kane. Don't forget Twitter Tuesdays tomorrow, even though it is a holiday today. Get in your Twitter Tuesday questions, your comments, your concerns at underscore Kaner at Locked on Vols. Anything on Tennessee recruiting, football, baseball, basketball, whatever you guys got, anything outside of sports, I don't care. I'll answer it. That's at underscore Kaner and at Locked on Vols for Twitter Tuesday. All right, so Tennessee SEC Tournament Baseball Champs, 8-5, to five, the final score and uh, the Volunteers uh, took care of Florida in the tournament championship game on Sunday. So uh, Tennessee is the fourth SEC baseball team to an outright win both the SEC regular season title and the SEC tournament championship in the same year since the league adopted the Omaha bracket back in 1998. So again, just the fourth SEC baseball team ever to win both since 98. That's quite an accomplishment. Uh, Tennessee baseball, the SEC champions for the first time since the tournament expanded in 1995 following division tournaments. The Vols had previously won the SEC East tournament in 93, 94, and 95, but never an SEC tournament that consi- consisted of all teams in the league. So quite an accomplishment here. And again, you know, Tennessee made it to Omaha last year, but made it to the tournament championship game last year in the SEC, but came up short. But it was a good story. It's, it's a good story for Tennessee all last year, but that's not the case this year whatsoever. I mean, Tennessee's been the you know, wire to wire, best team in the country all season long, pretty much number one team in the country for much of from you know over three fourths of the season. The best team in the SEC again won the SEC East by golly, what was it, eleven games or whatever? Won the SEC outright by six games, and you know it's just uh, only a matter of time before they start you know hanging banners essentially or you know ho- hoisting trophies. And again, just like with basketball. You know, this is cool. This is this this is neat, right? You want this. You play for these moments, okay? But again, this is not your, you know, this can't be your apex. Look at Tennessee basketball this past season. This can't be your apex. You can't go out the next Thursday or Friday and look like crap and bow out in the regional play when you're a host site, right? And the the host sites will be uh the host sites were actually named uh late last night and of course, Tennessee is hosting a regional because they're the best team in the country. Uh the the uh opponents at each region will be announced at some point today, so we'll recover that on Locked On Balls coming up tomorrow. But nonetheless, really, really cool for Tennessee. 8-5 to winner over Florida in a game where Seth Stevenson, I thought, played fantastic. He had a 
beautiful sacrifice squeeze there in the uh, I guess it was the the fourth inning to get Tennessee on the board first, and and then Drew Gilbert followed with a bases clearing double, dri- driving in three later in that inning. So I thought that was good. Gilbert later homered in the game and had a fantastic bat flip. So he finished the day two for five and four RBI and and. On Drew Gilbert, mind you, he was the SEC Tournament MVP, Drew Gilbert, and other Tennessee baseball players named to the All-SEC Tournament team, Chase Dolander, Trey Lipscomb, and Drew Gilbert. So, you know, outside of, uh, you know, on Sunday, the highlights, Drew Gilbert, again, I mentioned two for five, a home run, four RBI. Yes, Seth Stevenson, three for five, two runs driven in, a double, and two runs scored. Luke Lipsius, you know, drove in, a, drove in two runs as well, and, you know, Tennessee looked really, really good. And on Sunday, so you had, I mean, the the week was marred by rain, and it was it was it was awful, quite frankly, in in terms of you had to play four games every single day to catch up for the rains, or four games every single like on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday just to get all the games in to set up a championship game on Sunday because the rain wiped it out completely. No pun intended. Tuesday and Wednesday's play, right? And so Tennessee started Chase Burns in game one of this, or the first time they were out. Excuse me, Blake Tidwell the first time, and then Chase Dolander the second time, and then uh, it was it was uh, Drew Beam, and then finally it was a bullpen game here on Sunday. But that was always the plan because Tony Vitello said bigger picture stuff, right? Um, that's why he brought Chase Burns in in relief to pitch the last four innings of Saturday's game when Drew Beam started getting into trouble because all those guys have got to get work in because the regional play is coming up. A bigger picture here, right? And so it all worked according to plan. Tennessee went bullpen on Sunday, and Camden Sewell pitched five innings, and he picked up the win. He's a guy that, I mean, he looked great, right? He had one strikeout, no walks, six six hits scattered across five innings, uh, five scoreless innings. Um, Camden Sewell could be a starter for pretty much anybody, but uh, he's one of the best bullpen arms for Tennessee. Will Mabry came in, Mark McLaughlin came in, Ben Joyce came in, running into some trouble there. Xander Seacrest came in, and then Kirby Connell uh, pitched a little bit. Then Redmond Walsh actually had to be called on to to close this sucker out because I mean you had you had uh, Florida that scored three in the eighth and two in the ninth, and lo and behold, it was a three run game there when it was all said and done eight to five. But nonetheless, Tennessee beats Florida for the fourth time this season to capture the SEC tournament championship. You look at that SEC bracket. So here's how it worked out: Tennessee was supposed to play on Wednesday. It didn't happen until actually on Thursday. But Tennessee took down Vanderbilt ten to one, advancing on. Tennessee then beat LSU late Friday night five to two, and then Tennessee defeated Kentucky on Saturday twelve to two. Before Tennessee took on Florida here on the Sunday, and um, it was uh, a heck of a tournament for Kentucky. Uh, they, you know, had to battle out of the single elimination round on Tuesday, and really on on Wednesdays when that game got played, and. Uh, you know, kept on winning, kept on winning. Finally, bowed out to Tennessee in the semifinal round. Florida, the same thing, took down South Carolina. Uh, was run ruled by Texas A&M, ten to nothing on Wednesday, and then battled back, beating Arkansas, beating Alabama, beating A&M again, and then playing its sixth game against Tennessee on Sunday. Um, but the Volunteers, of course, had got to skip around because it was already positioned in the double elimination round. So, nonetheless, a great, great, great week-slash-weekend in Hoover. Tennessee is SEC Tournament Champions for the first time in the current format. Um, Tennessee is only the, the fourth SEC program to win both the league and the Tournament Championship um, outright since the new format has been unveiled in 98 for Omaha. And um, what a what an exclamation point. I mean, this team is good. This team is clearly the best team in the country, 
and it looked that way. They play that way, and it'll be super, super interesting to see how they respond, and not respond, excuse me, but how they carry this into regional play and what that regional field will look like, and of course, we'll know more on that later coming up tonight. So, Tennessee baseball, number one team in the country. A lot of people were pumped about that. Obviously, a lot of people become Tennessee baseball fans, and why wouldn't you? They're a whole lot of fun to watch, and the season is not over. Next step will be regional, kicking off in Lindsey Nelson Stadium either Thursday or Friday of this week. Right, coming up to conclude a Monday show, we'll take a look at the transfer portal, some of the big winners across college football, and where Tennessee kind of stacks up in that mess as well. Coming up next here on Locked on Balls. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. So I wanted to end this Monday episode by going back to the college football fo- football football gridiron and let's talk about the transfer portal. So let's remember this time last year, Tennessee attacked and Tennessee dominated the transfer portal. Of course, we didn't know at this point in time exactly how good it was going to be, but obviously seeing the dividends with Javante Payton, a wide receiver, Hendon Hooker being your starting quarterback. Remember, Tennessee already got Joe Milton, brought in two new quarterbacks via the transfer portal, Hendon Hooker via Jeremy Pruitt, let's remember that, but also just some other guys that really helped out, you know, Caleb Tremblay on the defensive line, at points in times you had, um, oh gosh, why am I forgetting his name, but you had some guys in the defensive secondary that, you know, did well, Brandon Turnage right there from Alabama that was SEC Defensive Player of the Week at Missouri, so you had a lot of guys that stepped in and impacted and, and, you know, really contributed to Tennessee, and it's, you know, it's bounce back year. Tennessee a little bit more quiet in the transfer portal this cycle around. Of course, there's still uh, some time to fix that, but nonetheless, it's brought in Brew McCoy, its most notable you know transfer portal addition, the wide receiver from Southern Cal, and Gerald Mincy on the offensive line. Both of those guys could be starters this year. You know, Brew McCoy will. We'll have to see about Gerald Mincy exactly if he wins that job over JJ Crawford or not. But those are the two biggest impactful transfers to the football team this year. But who were some other ones, right? Who were some other uh, teams that really dominated the transfer portal? And how many of their additions was Tennessee really in on? Uh, let's look at this CBSSports.com. excuse me, broke down the winners, the top five winners of the transfer portal this offseason. At the top, it's no surprise, it's USC. Uh, You brought in quarterback Caleb Williams, wide receiver Jordan Addison, running back Travis Dye, um, you know, a couple other really, really talented uh, players. And, of course, you know, you have uh, Lincoln Riley, who left from Oklahoma uh, to go to Southern Cal. And it's kind of funny, you know, you had Caleb Williams. I was like, oh, well, I'm not sure about Southern Cal. Let me take these other make-believe visits and then commits to Southern Cal. Jordan Addison did the same thing. You want to talk about name, image, and likeness in the transfer portal where that's been affecting? That surely is because, again, there's a whole lot of smoke when that's concerned. But uh, number two was Ole Miss. Um, Quarterback Jackson Dart from Southern Cal. Running back Zach Evans from TCU, a one-time long Tennessee target. Uh, You got edge rusher Jared Ivey from Georgia Tech. Michael Trigg also from Southern Cal. So Ole Miss, and again, Lane Kiffin calls him the self-proclaimed transfer portal king. I don't know about all that, but Ole Miss certainly had a really, really nice offseason in terms of the transfer portal. What about Nebraska, America's favorite 3-9 and nine football team, right? Quarterback Casey Thompson of Texas. We'll see if that works out. Quarterback Chubba uh, Pur- Purdy 
um, of Florida State. We'll see which one of those guys wins that battle. Uh, Stephon Wynn of Alabama defensive lineman. Uh, Mathis, a defensive end from TCU. Uh, Tennessee wasn't in on any of those players. I'm not familiar with those players an awful lot, but Nebraska coming in at number three in this ranking. Here's where it gets interesting. Texas Longhorns. Quarterback Quinn Ewers, who, again, I consistently see Heisman Trophy odds, and he is, if not picked to be the winner, picked to finish in the top three. I just I don't get it. So I understand. I read one article over the weekend saying uh, the article, the, the narrator, obviously the writer, saying I, I've long since given up on on predict, predicting um, – you know, the Heisman Trophy winner to come from the preseason odds favorite or the preseason's, you know, top three of the odds favorite. And I get that because that typically doesn't happen. Think about recent Heisman Trophy winners. Now, Young's a little bit of a different story of Alabama, but think about um, a couple years ago you had, obviously, the the quarterback from, uh, or of course you had Joe Burrow. He, he was nowhere to be found. Um, yeah, you had a couple of other really, really guys that, that never really you know stuck stuck out in terms of preseason hype, if you will. But they're the ones that, when it was all said and done, they won the Heisman uh, Trophy, and so I get it from that understanding. But I mean, Quinn Ewers has never thrown a pass in college ever. He's only played a handful of snaps, and he's handed it off in blowout wins, right? Coming from Ohio State, I mean, they're, they're pretty much set up there at quarterback right now. So looking for a new opportunity, goes to Texas, goes back home. We'll see what happens. But the Longhorns broiled in quarterback Quinn Ewers, wide receiver uh, Hall from Alabama, who's a good player, Isaiah Nair, who was committed to the University of Tennessee, who flipped and signed with Texas. So that was a huge loss for Tennessee. Ryan Watts of Ohio State, Jaleel Billingsley from Alabama, one-time you know preseason you know All-SEC tight end in terms of that nature. So Texas did really, really well in terms of the transfer portal. And then finally, you've got South Carolina. And everybody likes to talk about South Carolina, maybe being a dark horse in the SEC and all that. I'm not buying that whatsoever. I have to believe it till I see it. But hey, all they did last year, seriously, all they did last year was prove me wrong. Okay? And I picked them to win four games. They won seven. And so... Um, what they're doing there is is it's you know do, doing really really well in terms of how you know they're building their their new era over there at uh, it's in South Carolina. So you brought in the quarterback Spencer Rattler, uh, Devonnie Reed of Central Michigan, Antoine Wells of James Madison, a wide receiver, Austin Stogner of Oklahoma, that tight end. So they're adding it uh, to to uh, South Carolina's corpse there and. Nonetheless, I think the East is going to get a little better this year because I think Georgia is going to take a step back. The question is, who's going to finish in second place, right? We've talked about it. Georgia will take a step back. Kentucky's a solid football team. Tennessee is a solid, solid football team. I think those two teams are you know, he- heading to the top. I think Florida is not going to be there this year, but they're going to be coming in a hurry. I think South Carolina's fine. I mean, Missouri and Vanderbilt are trash. So we'll have to see how impactful these two these teams are for or these players, excuse me, are for South Carolina as they continue to try to get better and better and, you know, win some games that matter in the SEC East because obviously when they played Tennessee last year, it was uh you know, it was it was not very good. Tennessee was up like I think thirty eight to you know, seven at one point in time. But Shane Beamer, I think, has been doing a fine job there in terms of trying to rebound that. So it's interesting to think about because at this point in time last year, Tennessee would have probably made this list, right? And if they did a you know transfer portal interview grades, Tennessee would have certainly would have been up there in the top five because of what Hendon Hooker meant to the team. You got a starting quarterback out of Joe Milton to start the first couple of games of the season. Didn't pan out, I hear you, 
but then you had Hendon Hooker, Javante Payton, six touchdown catches on like, you know, six catches on the year, right? But they were all for touchdowns. No, he had 18 on the season. Uh, Caleb Tremblay, some guys, like Brandon Turnage, you know, Deshaun Terry on the defensive line. There are more and more. Juwan Mitchell, it didn't pan out, but maybe it'll pan out this year. But all those guys were getting hyped up going into last season. So it's something to think about. And um, obviously, you know, Tennessee might be active as the summer goes on, but a little bit quieter this offseason. Took some swings and misses, but did bring in Brew McCoy and Gerald Mincy. And those two guys projected to be starters. Brew McCoy definitely will. So uh, that's it here for this Monday edition of Locked On Vols. Guys, a whole lot of fun. I appreciate you guys for taking the time to listen while you're on your way to the pool, to the lake, to the river. Of course, all you guys, most of you guys are getting today off. So that's uh, really, really good news. Hope you stay safe. And, uh, you know, thank you as always so much for making Locked On Vols your first listen. Hey, for your next listen, I encourage you to go check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. Biggest stories of the day plus instant reaction, big game recaps, and the take of the day. You can find it wherever you get your podcast. And if you don't want that one, try this one on for size. The Locked On NBA Big Board podcast, um, giving you the best prospects, information on the best prospects, the latest player rankings, and, of course, all the big boards. You can follow on the NBA Big Board every single day on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Guys, thank you so much for all for always tuning in and hanging out with me today. We'll be back tomorrow with more uh, Tennessee football, basketball, baseball content. And don't forget, it's Twitter Tuesday tomorrow, so get me in your questions, your comments, and all of your concerns regarding the University of Tennessee. Back for more tomorrow. Stay safe today. Enjoy the rest of your Monday, everybody. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.